Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in? Jay Talking with Bradley Jay. I listen to morning with the sun up. I'm busy. WBZ News Radio 1030. I tune my radio to him 1030. The radio's all yours now. I talk to a man whose name is Bradley Jay. Improved my mind in a wonderful way. I just called in. To see what condition conversation was in. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in. Mike Coyne and I are here. Mike is the dean of the Massachusetts School of Law, where they have just completed classes and in one week to the day. We'll have an exam, correct? They do. They have uh, an exam a week from today. They have this week to read some of the cases, to catch up, to... Review every, and get ready. Every time I hear that, I think I want to ask you, Mike, ask me just one question. Test me. But I know I'll get it wrong, so don't. No, you usually do pretty well. Yeah, but we'll, but we'll I just... think, but when you have to have studied these particular things in order to know the answers. Yes. It's not something you can just kind of fudge your way through. You got to know. It's, it's true. But you know, you know what, though? You would have enjoyed. Tonight, for some portion of the last class, we, paid, we played uh, Legal Jeopardy. So How does was, that work? Well, we have a lot of questions we go over, and they've got to answer in the form of the question. But the one I was thinking that was your specialty is we do have a musical <laughs> section. Oh, really? Where they take a um, song and have to figure out what the legal concept that goes with it. So they play, we play the song, and then they've got to figure out what the legal concept is. I'll give you an example. Okay. Okay, because you look curious. I, okay. Yeah. Uh, I heard it through the grapevine. Hearsay. Yes! Yes! That's really good. That's very, very good. But so what I'm... All right, let's stop right there. (laughs) You should. Bradley J., you have a 100% A+. There we go. But what we're going to do, though, is I've got a couple... Because I know you're the musical expert. Not really, but go ahead. I've got a... (laughs) I've got a couple of concepts... Words and stuff that I'm gonna I'm gonna write down and I'm gonna send them to you so you can tell me songs that I can use. Oh, all right. In the future, because the students are always complaining that some of my songs that I've selected uh, either they don't mean much to them anymore. Oh. Like some of them are old, uh, granted. And I was even accused uh, by one student tonight uh, that some of them are, 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 uh, could be a lot more diverse. In fact. They're just far so too, your songs too are many too for old white and people. Too white. too white. That's correct. <laughs> That's what I said. We continue with Michael Coyne, Dean of the Massachusetts School of Law. And we didn't quite have time to finish up. A lot of people got charged with marijuana offenses, mostly possession, and now it's legal. Should they have their records expunged or charges dropped and yeah let's talk about that because that's uh the one that is uh most pressing now with respect to our 
uh, recent legalization of marijuana. We have two marijuana shops now open in Massachusetts, none within Boston and none really in Eastern Mass yet, but that should be at least in Eastern Mass. Boston will be later, but uh, that should follow at some point relatively soon. There's been some recent approvals. But what some are suggesting now is that uh, when you look at the numbers historically, in 2017, uh, there were over 500,000 people across the United States uh, that were arrested for uh, drug offenses. And most of those, 90% of those or so, were simple possession. Um, and that's the question is if it's a possession of marijuana conviction, now that we have decided that that is a legal substance in Massachusetts, what do we do or does anything have to be done with all of these older convictions for simple possession and essence of marijuana. Should we, should we fix that, what some would see as a, a miscarriage of justice, even though it was the law at the time? Uh, so you have to decide. Say you went to jail for some, some marijuana offense. Yep. You, you have to decide, are you in jail for doing something wrong or are you in jail for breaking the law? If you're in jail for breaking the law, just because it's now legal doesn't mean you did not break the law. You still broke the law. Are you in jail for breaking the law? Then you probably got to stay in jail. But if you're in jail because you did something wrong, that wrong thing being something to do with marijuana, possession of enough to put you in jail, then maybe you should be off the hook. And it's not just jail. It's think about it as you would ultimately then be seeking uh, job prospects uh, and looking for uh, a better job. Uh, w- do you have to report some of these older convictions? Yeah, do for, you? For, yeah, it's a general. Well, at some point, Massachusetts has some laws that pr- that protect an individual who has a conviction. But at some point, your criminal record uh, is likely going to be available to your employer and potential employees, especially when we um, have uh, issues with respect to. Uh, driving or certain activities that the the employer legitimately can be concerned about. But the the question becomes whether you're in jail or not, whether you've been in jail and now released, is there some basic fairness or equity to saying, well, this really, as it turns out, wasn't, as you just described it, something wrong. It happened to be illegal. But you got to remember, there were crimes in the United States. At one point, it was illegal for... Um, uh, a black man and a white woman, and 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 a and vice versa, to marry, and that was just obviously wrong. Um, so what happens when we have a change in the law where people say, "Well, that law never made sense." Do people should people have an ability to go in and say, "I want my record expunged"? That you know, uh, yes, I possessed a, a half an ounce of marijuana. Um, well, do they do they have their right to get it expunged? As a as a general matter, the point you pointed out is the most important and likely dispositive. You violated the law when it was the, the law, law. Yeah. and therefore the fact that the law has changed doesn't really change that that decision is final and it should stand for all time. The question is: Is there some moral or ethical obligation on behalf of those in the government to say? No, listen, those laws never made sense. And, and I don't think people necessarily agree with it. I'm sure many people don't agree that marijuana should presently be, be legal in, in any uh, means. And so I'm not sure, as a general matter, people agree with it. But the fact is, is that 
it was the law. People knew it was the law and nonetheless chose to violate not to violate it. Now, they're violating it because they didn't think it was a yeah. sensible law or, as you described it, the wrong thing to do. So, If I'm representing do, them, I'll say, why should they have to obey a bad law? Right, right. The civil disobedience is based on that, is that you have the ability to oppose laws that you feel are unjust. But is is this one of those? I mean, it's one thing to try and— talk about interracial marriage as one that's obviously um, wrong at its core is the possession and uh, of drugs that at one point were clearly illegal. Is that so wrong um, that it deserves sort of this extraordinary treatment that the law usually doesn't provide to go in and, and change prior convictions that at the time were based on good law? And so is that, there any guidance for how that should go, or does now, it just depend upon the, the mood of the state? Yeah, it's more a philosophical question than anything else, because there is really no reason that the law compels uh, a court to vacate those earlier convictions. It, laws change all the time, right? We've had our own drinking law in Massachusetts go from 21 to 18 and back again. So. Yeah. The fact is, is that we've seen many changes to various uh, laws over time. Doesn't mean we go in and rewrite the record books when that happens. It's just a, it's a question on this one. When you look at the sort of, to me, the staggering numbers of offenses over the years for what uh, I'm going to describe as a victimless crime, that does it make sense that some people have to carry that baggage going forward when we obviously live in a different era than we did just a few years ago. Did you hear, by the way, that I believe Vermont is opening a drive-up CBD store? Oh, really? I did not see that. Where you you drive up and I don't know if it'll be like McDonald's and there's a menu and you say, yeah, can I get uh, this, this, this? You drive, okay, drive up. I think it probably will be like that. Well, and, and you know, you and I have had this discussion the uh, CBD is the non-therapeutic uh, non, part. Non-psychoactive. Non, not psychoactive, right. I'm sorry. Non-psychoactive part of the marijuana plant. However, it is therapeutic. Yeah. Many people believe there are studies that show it. Um, and so there are many people that actually use CBD for its healing and therapeutic properties and feel strongly that, that it does assist them with it. So we are seeing um, that actually... Uh, be used under those circumstances in 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 a significant degree. I'm seeing it as a bridge to people who otherwise would have wanted nothing to do with marijuana itself and had a fear of it, whether reasonable or not. Uh, they embrace CBD, and they're, as a result, on the edge of embracing marijuana all the way. Well, and I, and I could see that as well. I think it's uh, the road that it opens to see that, well, it may not be... Um, this uh, absolutely horrible um, drug that has no redeeming qualities. What was? Oh, I was I was couldn't remember it. I remember Reefer Madness. Yeah. You remember that was yeah. a movie put out by I think it was the government that we all saw in the '60s and '70s, probably way too many times. Um, but there was a time where the the movie uh, put out what the position of some in power felt was the the danger of of marijuana, um, and it was a, a PR and a promotional film. It seems funny. I haven't seen it in ages now, 
Um, but the fact is, at one point, there was a there was the concern that to 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 the degree that today, it, it almost seems even comical when you think about the concerns that people had, especially when we compare it to the problems that we we know we have with the opioid crisis uh, across our communities. We're in a bad place here, where people are being kind of denied their new right to enjoy marijuana by this onerous testing, which doesn't tell anybody what they really need to know. What do we do about that? See, I'm actually going to look at it a little differently. I think we're actually in a good place. All right. Um, Because what we're seeing is that this new issue has, this new development in the law has raised all sorts of new issues that in some ways we weren't prepared to deal with, but now we have to deal with them because we're in a different era. And so I think, yes, at present, we have a lot of issues with respect to what the employer can do and test for marijuana and the like. Um, And that seems in many ways grossly unfair now that it's legal. But so what we're going to have to do is change some of our past practices to comport with the present status of, of where we're at. And so that's the question is, to what extent should employers be permitted, and this may well be an issue for the legislature, to be able to test for a substance that under Massachusetts law, it's, it's now legal to use. So somebody's going to have to have a test case, right? Well, and there will be because people will be fired after being tested for this. And what many are going to argue is the point you made is that what I do on Saturday and Sunday when I'm far away from my uh, office and my work really shouldn't matter to you at all as my employer. If I were gambling, you shouldn't have a say in that. If I were um, drinking, you shouldn't have a say in that if it doesn't affect my performance on Monday through Friday. And the same thing applies to marijuana. And frankly, it applies to a whole bunch of other vices you might have that that's none of your employer's business. And that's ultimately where we're going. And that's what that's the problem, though, at present. Many employers, especially those that have any federal government involvement or federal regulation, are greatly concerned about the conflict between federal law in this area and and Massachusetts and and other surrounding states here are also moving as well to either the medical marijuana use or the the outright legalization like Massachusetts. And what it raises is is conflicts with the state of the existing law with respect to what those employers can do and under what circumstances they can test for and what what is now lawful activity in in many jurisdictions. And so we've got to take the next step. Okay, we've legalized it. What would we see as the next step? Are there certain occupations, certain job functions that people would still favor that you be yeah. allowed to be tested even for legal substance. If there's a committee of people that try to talk this over, I want to be on that committee. Well, and I hear that, but what would Do what would your here's here's something I could offer the committee. Okay. Perhaps no business that that's going to be ugly the way I put it. <laughs> No business that if you're if you're working there, impaired, you could not harm anyone through your impairment. Should you ever be tested, for example, if you work at John Hancock, on computers in your cubicle all day, they should not be able to test you. 
because your impairment does not put anyone in danger in that occupation. So certain occupations would not be able to test you at all. And the test for that is would the impairment of any employees there put anyone in harm, harm's way? What do you think? I think it's an interesting proposition, and I, at first it, there is some attraction to it, but I guess the devil is in the details on that. What does that mean? For instance, what about school teachers? Um, I feel like school teachers take people out to the bus. I feel like school teachers should be tested for impairment, not for having smoked it two weeks ago. Yeah, okay. I feel that the teacher might be able to put a kid in harm's way, so test him. Okay. Next. Uh, talk show host. No way. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no harm can come from anything you do. Performance of the duties do? is its own test. Huh? Performance of my duties is its own test. So, by the way, though, then, I don't put anyone on the bus. Law school professors, we couldn't be tested. Smoke them if you got them. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm throwing this out there. That if you work in a place like John Hancock, where you're working a cubicle and you're not putting anyone in physical harm's way, they shouldn't be able to test you at all. You could even be high. You could have smoked at lunch. And if, you could, if you're performing your duties, they shouldn't be able to test you. And what about this, Mike? It was the, it's the case now, I believe, that if you fall down, they can immediately test you and... If you're high, deny you workers' compensation. Well, that's that's the that's the problem, and we've seen that. We saw that with the hospital worker up in Methuen. Is that until there was an accident, there was no question about whether uh, she was uh, under the influence. And once she did, then under the the terms of the employment, they had her tested and found that in the testing, she showed uh, amounts of marijuana in her system. She said that was from the weekend. And nonetheless, she was yeah. terminated and denied the workers' compensation. I don't see how benefits. that's legal because well, uh, it, the the thing behind that law is you fell down because you were high. Well, that's the theory, and but people fall uh, people fall down all high fall. Yeah, down but that's why the they time. test you to say, "Well, we're not on the hook because it was your fault because you were high." Yeah, it's that's an effort, the underlying thing. It's an effort to avoid liability, and as you were saying. It isn't just that you can test certain jobs as you, you would frame it. Where Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it, by law. 18 plus. The public safety may be involved, but even if we agree that certain people can be tested, we need more accurate testing for impairment. Right now, we don't know what the, the really impairment uh, signs of being impaired as a result of using marijuana would be. There's been really, to our, to my knowledge and 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 in the research, no scientific testing on it. There's no sense of agreement among the scientists of what those signs would be. Unlike driving under the influence, where we do know uh, there are certain uh, consistent signs one would see 
as a result of that would be evidence of uh, alcohol consumption to the point of impairment. We we need to do better with respect to figuring out. Well, what about this? Um, what marijuana? It probably is. takes a certain amount of THC in your blood to cause impairment. Maybe it's just a matter of upping the levels in, that you can be on the hook for. Well, Deciding what level in there causes impairment, and if you reach that level in your test, then you're on the hook for it. But if you had it last week, you're not going to have that level in your blood. But I think, again, that starts with the science, because so, we yeah. don't know. We know in Massachusetts, when we're talking about breathalyzer readings for alcohol, between 0.05 and 0.08 is the real key. Over and under, uh, you're you're going to be fine. Uh, but... But, but that's the problem is, okay, over we know at that point you're presumptively driving under the influence and under you're presumptively not. We don't know what that means. with re- We don't have any levels or understanding right. of what the THC levels would have to be. And, and I'm not sure that's been studied to the point where we have any um, uh, understanding of what would be reliable data and, yeah. and what the scientists would say should be that number. And until we do... You, you just can't set an artificial number and then say, well, we'll That's see, see we, how it works going you can't forward. Even, we haven't decided even what impairment is. No, right. And that is that that is the key. I mean, partly the reason we've set them at the driving under the influence figures of alcohol is we know what signs we'll see and what that would mean for driving a 2,000-pound uh, motor vehicle at, at high speeds and the like. We, we don't have the same understanding at all with respect to marijuana, and that, that needs to be studied, and that data needs to be assembled. Okay, it's Doug in air, who is a, a fan of CBD, and now I believe marijuana itself. Is that correct, Doug? Well, no, I, I don't smoke mar- marijuana. I never have. I only tried it a few times, but I, I do want to talk about the CBD. Um, I do take CBD oil, and... Um, it's it's completely healed my chronic pain, and me and Brad have talked before about um, uh, going back and forth about the controversy between whether or not it can show up in a drug test. I've heard all kinds of information whether it can and whether it can't. And what I want to explain um, to Dean Coyne is, and, and I kind of want to make clear this up that the drug testing that that I have to do does has nothing to do with my employer. It has to do with the federal government. If if you have a CDL license, right, they have a random thing that comes down that says you have to go take a drug test or else you know go take a drug and alcohol test. It's like a random thing. My boss even gets those because he has a CDL license. And if there's any THC in there, then you fail the drug test. So it has nothing to do with your employer. And, and last week I was telling Bradley the story when this first came out. I was living in South Carolina. And my boss had called me up. I was driving over the road then. I'd go out for a few days and make, like sit home for a day or two or something. He said, hey, they got a new thing now. you got to go take a drug and alcohol test. I'm like, right now? He goes, yeah, it says you got to go right now. I said, what if I'm drinking a beer? He, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's just what it says now. you got to go. I said, well, first of all, it's not illegal for me to sit, be sitting around drinking a beer if I'm on my day off. And how would I get there? They'd arrest me once I got there if I was, you know, if I was impaired. So that doesn't make any sense. He goes, I, I don't know. That's just the law now. And when you have that thing that comes down, you have to go down and take a drug and alcohol test, which I think is kind of silly. But 
you know, it just happened that I wasn't drinking a beer that day, and I, you know, I went down and I passed it. But what I wanted to say was, if, if in fact, you know, my CBD oil it, that I'm taking does produce some traces of THC, then I guess I'm, I'm screwed. You know what I mean? Like, if yep. I go for a drug test. Doug says he's going to quit. He'll just, the well, heck with him, I'm going to quit. I love my CBD I, so much, I will quit. Am I right, Doug? Yeah. Yes, I, I'm not going to go back to chronic pain. And it has nothing to do with my employer. It well, has to do with the, the laws of the federal government. Well, that's you know, for they, you That's for you with the CDL license. But other employers uh, do, uh-huh. do, do test uh, depending on the occupation and your job duties. And so it's not all just commercial driver's licenses. There, there are others, uh, employers, and this is where lawyers are now debating, is, 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 is it uh, legitimate for employers now to be testing for a substance that's that's actually legal but but with your commercial driver's license you you've raised some very good points about it especially in the timing issue is one that that intrigues me because as you point out okay so they can tell me to come on a saturday when i wouldn't normally be working to be tested for drugs and alcohol and let's just take the example you use so you know, it was a picnic or it was a cookout of a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I had a few beers, and now I've got to go pass a test that you know you're not going to, and you potentially your livelihood is at risk. It's I don't know what the what the rule actually is, but it doesn't seem appropriate to be able to test you on the weekend for things that have nothing to do with your ability to drive that rig safely. Right. And and maybe they've they've changed that a little bit because like we we get those things that come down and you got to go in for a certain you know a certain amount of time after that that comes down. But if you get in an accident, any accident, whether it's your fault or not, They're and you have a CDL driver's license, you have to go for a drug and alcohol test within I think four hours. Or yeah, it's very like that. that's very, yes, exactly. But you know that isn't that uncommon either, whether it's your CDL or a private employer that. That if there's an accident, they want it tested. They're hoping, uh, I think, to be able to show that there was no level of impairment of drugs. Uh, but they're also reserving their rights that if it is, what they can do with that employee. And that's what becomes problematic is um, either way, a uh, potential employee is at risk. Yeah. And, and um you're right. They they have to have. They should have an impairment test. They should have nothing to do with with that. You know what's in your system. It just it doesn't make any sense because I'm not impaired by THC. I don't even know if, if there's any trace in in there at all. I know? think with some CBD there will be uh, trace THC, and with some CBDs they will actually use a slight bit of the THC because there are studies that show that the THC can enhance the active properties of the CBD. So then that, that type you just mentioned would be sold not as a THC-free product. Right, would. right. And they, and they will separate, the, they will separate yeah. out the products so that you can actually choose to have some. But I, you know, depending on the process that's used and how solid of a process it is, you, you might find trace amounts of THC in some of the, the CBD. Some, some expert can tell us more about that. Thanks, Doug. Yep, I'm way, way on board with everything now, so awesome. All right, Brad, and uh, Mike, have a good evening. You too. Nice talking to you. All right. You yeah. know, I've heard that uh, people are using CBD for pets as well. That um, seems odd, but I've heard that, that CBD is available through uh, veterinarians for 
various uses with respect to their pets issues and the like. Interesting. Yeah. I, I really hope they get the testing thing squared away for people who are going to rely on CBD for pain relief because it, I think it's pretty clear that a little bit of THC added in adds to the effectiveness of the CBD. That's 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 what I think the studies te- seem to show so, as well. That would be great that. if people could avoid opiates. I don't know how we aren't taking much more serious steps to avoid that. We know the crisis. I think everyone, many people have know of a friend whose lives were affected as a result of this, and well, I think we need to do better. Well, Bob Lobel will tell you that right. That uh, cannabis saved him from opiate addiction, I believe. That's, that's how I understand it. I mean, he came in here and talked about that. Right, I, and I think, I think others have said the same thing, and I think the statistics bear that out, that where marijuana is legal, that, that we have seen a decline in some of those, the problems with the opioids. So. Here we are having this very reasonable talk, conversation about this, and it was such taboo for so long. Doesn't it seem crazy? Yeah, but things change. Times change. I mean, sometimes, sometimes times change for the better, and sometimes they change for the worse, as we know. I actually had this idea. Should I tell them about my Matt Whitaker idea? Sure. I think it would be politi- politically expedient for Matt Whitaker, who's on the hot seat for not being qualified and all, to set, issue new guidance on the federal position on cannabis. And it would say, yeah, we the feds now decided it's cool, go for it, make your money, do business, we won't take your money from the bank, you can use credit cards now. I just think a lot of resistance to Matt Whitaker would go away if he would do that. It seemed, would seem politically expedient. The president's all about business, it'd be good for business. Uh, that's my theory. Yeah, and well, there's, frankly, there's a lot of money to be made here, and there's a lot of taxes to be recovered by the federal government as well. Massachusetts taxes at it at, at the rate uh, of twenty of percent, and, and the the problem that uh, you know another one of these issues that needs to be addressed relatively short order is is the processing of the payments and the money. You know, the fact is is that many of the dispensaries. Uh, our cash businesses yeah. because of the problems with credit cards and money moving through federal banks where it's still illegal. And and what that means is potentially there's a lot of uh, uh, crime that potentially is going to be involving these companies, whether it is just the theft of cash by the employees or others who, when the money is being moved, or um, personal data and information being stolen uh, because it's not as secure as it should be. Uh, and, and those issues need to be addressed because these businesses are relatively easy crime targets as well. And the money I- that's being moved through these businesses now is incredible. Federal government could see it as, a, as an opportunity uh, to bring in some additional tax revenue, as Massachusetts and other states are seeing uh, and also an, an ability to offer a service and be forward thinking about it. So I think there are ways uh, in which uh, we could all win uh, if the federal government was more receptive to some to, and help to cure some of the problems that we know are there. Also, it's a huge money industry that cannot really do investment correctly. There, well, can't, there can't be mutual funds. There can't be sector funds in weed, really, because it's, it's illegal. Well, and that's that's the problem with it is that uh, all of it is taxable on a basis of income tax to um, and has to be reported to the federal government. 
But some of the other protections that we would see there with respect to the financial status of these companies and, and protecting their assets, it's really uh, very much up in the air. I think that part of it has to be addressed and likely has to be addressed sooner as these businesses grow in, in, in state after state after state. Uh, there's just too much money involved to, 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 elite, to leave it to so much chance, I think. I want to take the, a few minutes just to spell out the uh, positions of Commissioner Gross versus ACLU? Yeah, that was an interesting article um, uh, and a little exchange that I saw within the last week or so. Uh, the police commissioner of Boston uh, complained uh, about the ACLU filing the lawsuit um, on uh, opposing the manner in which the Boston police were collecting data on gangs in the city and their violent behavior and saying, at least in part, uh, he felt that the uh, individual's civil liberties were being um, infringed upon and in part uh, it was based on uh, race, race or national origin, that the, especially the Hispanic uh, groups were being targeted to a greater extent and perhaps without probable cause. And what the police commissioner said is that the ACLU should, in essence, mind their own business. They don't care about our communities in Boston. They don't care about the safety of the residents. Uh, and in part, uh, in essence, I'm paraphrasing it all, is that um, they should stick to their own uh, worries and, and let, let the police deal with the concerns about how to properly police in Boston. And many people saw it as an inappropriate uh, 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 statement and position by the police commissioner of Boston who should be concerned about everyone's constitutional rights. Um, and, and yes, that's one way to look at it. Uh, I actually take the position that I think the police commissioner has every right to speak out about uh, the safety of Boston and its residents, since he's the one that's charged with that. Uh, and I think his position, in essence, is if he's going to err, he's going to err on the side of safety and security, even if that comes at the expense of some individuals' individual rights. And and that's what I think is the it is an interesting issue here. Our, people prepared to give up some of their individual liberties or even more, probably more to the point, other people's individual liberties in order to protect their own safety and security. And, and especially when we think about a lot of the gun violence in the city, we think about the, the drug issues as well. Uh, are people prepared to give up at times some of their, the, the individual liberties that are guaranteed to us because of concerns about public safety and the like. And I guess it de depends on conditions on the ground. Yep. And how many lives are actually at stake versus the academic notion of, uh, you know, freedom and privacy. Right. But, well, should the ACLU care at all about— Well, the that's the job. That's pre precisely what they do. No, no, but should they care about the impact— their actions oh. have on the communities, or are they more concerned about advancing the individual rights of their clients? When I, I, I kind of see like they should do the thing they do, the police should do the thing they do, and the, the, the tug of war there will hopefully get us right to exactly the right spot.
Well, but what if it doesn't? Yeah. What if it's what if what if this case ultimately says no? The police are uh, violating the civil rights of the individuals. They can't collect this data and use it in right. such a way, even though we have data that supports this has reduced gun violence or this has reduced the drug epidemic in in those communities. Would you favor? Right. Would you? And that's the question. Is so you're saying or, should the ACO be a little reasonable? And give a little bit in a special situation. No, I'm asking the question, really, because I do think the ACLU serves a vital role in society. But I also know that's coming from I get to to, to live in a relatively peaceful community that doesn't have yeah, significant crime or drug issues. In Whiteville, USA. Yeah, I live in Whiteville, <laughs> USA. And I do. I lived in the city for many years when I was younger. Um, and so I do get that um, that. Maybe if I'm infringing on if the police if the police are infringing on Bradley's rights, I don't care that much if it makes Mike a little safer. And and I get that. I get it too. <laughs> but your your question was, and I think that's a good question, is did the police commissioner really think he could make a difference here? I mean, and and that's an interesting question too, because because I favor the right of leaders to speak out on issues, even if it's if it's Don Quixote redone. All right, perfect place to stop. Michael Coyne, thank you so much for the snacks, <laughs> for the good company, and the legal expertise. Always fun. It's WBZ News Radio 1030. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.